Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Pawatic. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, powered by First National. I'm your host, Aaron Cameron. With me, as always, is Adam Pawatic. We're here at the Ottawa Real Estate Forum, recording as part of our conference series with partnership of Informa. Our guest today is a gentleman by the name of John Ryder, who is the Senior Vice President of Retail and Commercial Title Insurance at Chicago Title. How are you doing? Great. You? Oh, very well, thank you. Good. For those listening, this is podcast number three today. So Adam and I might sound a little bit groggy because we've been. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Yeah, we've been focused, focused really hard, and I have a flight to catch in like forty-five minutes. We're going to do this quick. Sorry, John. John and I That's know each other right. back, so this is—he's not taking this personally. <laughs> no. Um, so, John, we always do these podcasts. Start with just kind of how did you get into real estate? Like, how did you end up where you are today? Well, I'm actually a lawyer by training, but I uh, celebrated my twentieth anniversary not practicing law <laughs> in January of this year. And became a real estate lawyer by happenstance. I was working at a big firm downtown Toronto, and they gave us different options of litigation, commercial, corporate, labor, real estate. And I really liked the people in real estate, so that was my number one pick, and I became a real estate lawyer. Oh, neat. But then after practicing for a while, um, I realized, I want to be a lawyer since I was a kid. And then I realized after about seven years, six years of practice, it just wasn't for me. I had more of a business bent, wanted to be out and meeting with people and selling, talking to people. Rather than pouring over documents, the fine-tooth comb. And- yeah, I wasn't the detail person uh, that I probably needed to be <laughs> to be uh, a lawyer. So <laughs> so where'd you go from there then? Once you kind of figured that out, what was the first sort of tiptoe into the dark side? Yeah, well, I went directly into uh, title insurance okay. with a competitor company to where I'm working now. And title insurance was still in its infancy then. It was it had taken a bit of a hold on the residential side, but there really was no commercial title insurance uh, per se, unless an American company or lender was coming up here and said, I want title insurance because I always get it in the U.S. And the title companies would do something. So I went into this company, started up their commercial division and uh, built it up. It was there almost 12 years before I uh, moved on to law firm management, which was an interesting yeah. uh, career path. I did that around five years, working for a, a national firm and then at a, a virtual law firm for a couple of years, and then went to uh, back into the industry at Chicago Title. And now you are, you are the head of the, the Canadian Chicago Title department or group, right? Yeah. And so how did, how, I mean, did you kind of step right into that role when you came back into Chicago Title? Or did you have different roles before you worked your way to your current position? No, I came right in in this uh, role. Our parent company is FNF, uh, Fidelity National Financial, which is a Fortune 500 company. New York Stock Exchange listed, and so my boss is the president of that company, but I run the Chicago Title business for him. His side of the business is really a, an operations business, does uh, refi programs and mm-hmm. appraisal. We have an appraisal company on that side, but I run the title company. My first question is, what is title insurance? <laughs> <laughs> he means that too. Yeah. Title insurance is the cheapest and best insurance you will ever buy. <laughs> I love it. I'm being a bit of a smart aleck, but I actually do believe that. But title insurance is a, uh, a contract or a, an insurance policy that covers purchasers of land or lenders on land anywhere in Canada. And not, um, ju- not just land as an asset, but like real estate. At, at real estate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, exactly. sorry. Yeah, 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 fair yeah. enough. Any real estate anywhere in the country. And it really is a policy to make sure that you've got good title to your land. And it also covers things like survey coverage, work orders, zoning, lack of building permit, construction lien, construction hypothec issues, fraud and forgery issues, which are sadly becoming a, 
uh, bigger and bigger issues. Huge in the U.S. right now, but making their way up to uh, Canada as well. And yeah, and a number of other coverages along those lines. So for, for context, from Adam and my perspective, we, we use title insurance often when we want to close a loan rather quickly. And because, mm-hmm. you know, without going too much into the weeds, you know, when we instruct lawyers to do all their searches, they do these, what we call off titles. And you can ex- describe to me maybe in better context what that means, but it means <laughs> reviewing a whole bunch of things that are required to make sure that my security, the lender's security is perfected so yeah. that when I'm, I have a charge, have a mortgage on title, I'm comfortable that I've, I've got nothing in the weeds that's going to, going to, you know, all of a sudden make my, my security less viable or less mm-hmm. certain. What you can do, however, is go and get title insurance, which saves the lawyers having to do all of this research, all these yep. searches, and you're effectively insuring the lender that in the event that something is in the weeds that's going to have a challenge with my in registration, you'll insure me against any losses I might incur. Is that, is that am I speaking out of turn? Does that make sense? No, no, no. I mean, this is one of the many reasons why it is the cheapest and best insurance because it, you know, it has all the coverages, as I mentioned, and if we have time, I'd like to get into some of them, but it also has helped Canadian real estate streamline itself and be more productive, more do things faster, better, cheaper. Yeah. You know, there was no title insurance in Canada really for the first, whatever, 120 years of existence or yeah. 25 years of existence in Canada. Lawyers did the transactions. They did a search of the title to make sure that the owner was the valid owner that you were buying from and that the loan going on was a valid loan on the uh, property. And they would do all the off-title searches, which meant they would go and get an up-to-date survey, make sure there was no encroachments of buildings on or off of the property. They would do off-title searches, they're called, where they'd write away to the municipalities to find out if there are any building or work order zoning issues with respect to the property. They would do zoning reviews of the property to make sure if you wanted to use it as a you know 10-story um, office tower building that you were allowed to do that. And then the law firm would give you an opinion. They would say, in our opinion, you have good title to this property subject to all of these qualifications. Because law firms are not, uh, lawyers are not insurers. They're there to do all the checks, make sure you're protected, and then tell you, I've done everything I was supposed to do. But it doesn't protect you from things that can come out of the woodwork. So, for example, on some of these letters they write away for, on all of these letters, the municipalities will write back and they'll say, you know, all the taxes are paid, but errors and emissions accepted. So if we've made a mistake and actually all the taxes haven't been paid, you still owe them. So I buy the property, and then two months later, the municipality says, oh, no, no, there's actually $100,000 of taxes owing. I owe those taxes because I own the property now. Now, I might be able to go and sue the prior owner and try to get the money back, but I've got to chase that person. I probably have to take them to court. I've got to spend a lot of money. Whereas title insurance just covers you for that risk. We may go back after that vendor, but you're free and clear. You just move on and uh, don't have to worry about it. Is there any recourse against a, a lawyer if they get it wrong? Sometimes, but very, very rare instances. I think there's probably been, of all the title companies, maybe half a dozen times a notary or lawyer has been uh, sued because all the title companies waive their subrogation rights, which is basically standing in the shoes of the insured. So if the lawyer has made an error under an insurance contract, you do have the right to sue, but we're waiving that right unless there's been gross negligence of the lawyer or willful misconduct. If they didn't even look at the title and said, oh yeah, you got a good title, then <laughs> that's gross yeah, negligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's happened? Oh yeah, there's, all, uh, you know, it's like any profession. 99.9% of the people are fantastic and hardworking, blah, blah, blah. But that one or 0.1% who are 
fraudsters or involved with fraudsters or just aren't paying attention and doing the proper deal. And that's where you... Yeah, sometimes you it's, not, it's not willful negligence. It's just they're ignorant or they're too busy or spread Slept too in thin. late that yeah, morning yeah. and uh, faked their way through yeah. it. Yeah, well, and, and there's often, like we see uh, in the legal profession, unfortunately, with the fraudsters, they often look for lawyers who are later in practice, maybe, you know, sometimes sole practitioners, or very early in their practice who just, they really want the business. And uh, so they'll try and focus on them to, um, to go after and get them involved in a fraud, so... Mm-hmm. You mentioned fraud coming north of the border. Yeah. What uh, innovative new fraud is America bringing to our to our shores? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of it is covered, and and some of it uh, like there's there's a fair amount of funding frauds. So there are situations where they're now using artificial intelligence to fake people's voices. So I'll be the client, and you will be the law firm calling me to say is it okay to fund the deal? And I'll say, oh yeah, it's okay, but oh, there was one thing. Um, don't send that money to this bank. Send it to that bank instead. I made a mistake, so and here's the, the uh, account number. You send it to the new bank? Well, they faked my voice. It's not really uh, me. Uh, or they'll call it, I guess. It's not you calling them in that instance, but they're hacking uh, email addresses to give false instructions. But that's old um, school, though. That's been going on for a while, right? Well, that's, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> But uh, so I guess it's maybe it's old school stuff yeah. that's uh, just being reinforced. But we are seeing uh, a lot of frauds where it's um, changing corporate records. Um, I don't know that this is true, but we had a police officer uh, from Toronto who said that next to Nigeria, I think it was, Ontario has the easiest corporate records to alter without anyone's approval. You can basically go in. Maybe I shouldn't be telling this to <laughs> potential fraudsters, but you can just go in and say, I'm now the president of IBM Canada. Put my name on there. You give the right forms. And, I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's, it's not complicated to do. So we are starting to see people mucking around with uh, corporate records. Which is probably why you're hearing a lot more noise about sort of corporate registries and, you know, just that push on AML, anti-terrorist financing, just all the, the, yeah, oh, the yeah. need to protect against these types of frauds, right? Absolutely. It's one of the biggest risks to, to our company as lenders, but I think it's a risk to a lot of different players yeah. in the real estate market. Before we get too far, let me, yeah. just just for, for more, you know, sort of an education perspective, maybe define or, or explain the difference that there's different types of title insurance for lenders and for oh, landowners. And what are the difference between the two? Well, I mean, it's, uh, the coverage is better for a lender than an owner because the lender is one step away from any problem. So we can give a lot of coverages around work order zoning uh, survey, et cetera, without any due diligence for a lender, but need a little bit of evidence for, our, for our some evidence for the owners. Because if there's a problem, you know, they find out that the building on the property is built into an encroachment, it's unlikely that the owner's just going to say, here, lender, I give up, take the property. They're going to fix it themselves. Mm-hmm. So if we're aware of those kind of problems, we usually provide some limit on the coverage for an owner, whereas the lender, we would just give full coverage to them. That's really the primary difference and the reason why. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, but there is definitely uh, differences in the coverages that, uh, that are, are provided. Uh, what is the rate that people are making claims on this? Like, How often are you having to, to pay out? Well, the rates are not as high as you would see in a typical property and casualty or life policy uh, situation because uh, another reason why it's the cheapest and best insurance is that we're a one-time premium, right? So if you're getting uh, property insurance uh, when you buy a property, you're paying thousands of dollars every year or tens of thousands every year on insurance, whereas our premium you pay once when you buy 
the property or lend against it, and that lasts as long as you own that property. You own it one year or you own it 100 years, that policy is in place. That title insurance is in place. And same thing for the loan. As long as the loan goes on, if you assign or sell that loan to another party, as long as that loan is on there, that mortgage is there, the policy covers that mortgage for the life of the mortgage. Kind of forgot your original question as a result. But, oh, yeah. Uh, how often are people actually making claims? Oh, on the claims, yeah. 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 So, so bottom line is, AMBEST did a study a few years ago saying that title companies spend about 85 to 90% of their premium because it's a one-time getting the policy at the door. So they have about 10 to 15% to pay claims and have a profit and whatnot. Whereas PNC and uh, life companies are the opposite. They take 10, 15% because they get a recurring premium to get the policy at the door. They then have a lot of money 85, 90% to pay out claims. Getting back to the claims then, because I'm not trying to avoid the, the question, <laughs> is we do have a lot of claims. We're getting dozens of claims every week, more on the residential side than the commercial side, but the commercial claims do tend to be larger. And the kind of claims we'll get are uh, a lot of uh, legal hypothecs or um, construction lien claims, especially during the Great Recession. There was a lot of issues around that. As I said, fraud and forgery claims. And one of the big uh, coverages under the policy is something called the duty to defend. And we spent a lot of money on those claims proving that our client has a good interest or has a valid mortgage in the property. So that, as I say, is one of the biggest uh, coverages, if you will, because someone, if you buy a property and someone comes in and says, you don't own the back. Well, I'll give you a claims example. So there was a, a, a group that uh, bought a, a development property down um, town Toronto, and um, they owned most of the lot, but there was a, a row of houses on the back of the lot where they were driving their cars into the back and parking behind their homes. And this developer had planned to buy right up to the edge of their properties. Well, they were driving onto his property to get into their back. And so as soon as he put a notice of, of his new development, they said, oh, no, no, from the drawings, you can't go there. We have a, a, a right over, an easement right away over like that a, an, an inferred easement. Like it yeah. probably wasn't a true easement, like a registered easement, but it was, no, just, it was, it was not inf- registered. It was inferred. Yeah, just over time, yeah. passage of time. And so we had to go to court and prove, because uh, they had affidavits about how long, and, but ultimately the judge said, no, that isn't a valid interest. It uh, hasn't been uh, properly created. And so our client was able to develop up to the line. But if, it, without title insurance, they would have had to fight the neighbors. And if they had lost, they would have lost all of that additional, I think it was like 15 or 20 feet of property. So you've got a building that's 20 feet shorter. Yeah. That would have been, it's going to cost you money, right? So if we had lost, we would still pay all those legal fees and say it's a $20 million policy. There would still be $20 million there to pay for the loss suffered for the client because now they have a smaller, property that they can't lot. develop. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the, the, answer, the answer is probably that everybody should be just getting title insurance. Well, I'm a little biased, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think they should. I mean, it's like any insurance policy, right? You do not need insurance yeah. until you need it, Yeah. right? I mean, people complain about PNC uh, property casualty insurance all the time or life insurance. But I mean, life insurance especially because you don't even get to use it until you're dead. <laughs> yeah. um, but PNC, or sorry, title insurance is the same story. You don't need it until you have a big problem. And 99.9% of the time, you're not going to have a problem. But when you do, it's a big one. Like we get testimonials all the time. This is more on the residential side, but we'll be paying a 30, 40, $50,000 claims because we've had to move a garage off the neighbor's property or back taxes or whatever issues there are. And those people, they're willing to say, you know, 
I just spent every dollar I had to buy this house. If I didn't have title insurance and had to find $50,000 to fix this problem, I have no idea what I would have done. So, and for the cost of it, right? It's, it's especially on residential, it's incredibly cheap. The average policy in, across Canada, I think it's like $400, $425. For single-family uh, residential. For single-family yeah. residential, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously on commercial, it's uh, significantly yeah, more, it's, but it's a price per thousand. Right? That's a good question. Maybe, I don't know if this is too simplified, but could you give us sort of like the five major inputs in your underwriting to kind of come up with what premiums you would charge and, and kind of how you get comfortable? It's, it's actually pretty simplified because it's all sort of baked into the process, but our pricing is really based on the, most of the time, it's based on the value of the property. Right. So we're already assuming you're going to get all of the bells and whistles coverage in there for that pricing. Sometimes there are risks that we're being asked to cover where we'll charge additional premium, but it's, it's a pretty rare instance of that. Uh, so it's, uh, it really is simply you're coming to tell us uh, what the price of the purchase is and what the loan amount is. And it's, the, it's sort of buy one, get the second one cheaper. It's the first policy is a full premium, uh, whatever the higher amount is. And then usually the loan policy is the cheaper and that's usually 10 cents a thousand. Right. And so and it's not necessarily just apartment buildings, retail, office, industrial. Would you do things like pipelines and other things? Like maybe pipelines, talk about different wind things. turbines, Yeah, talk about all the other, farms, the other things that you kind of uh, get involved Cemeteries, uh, rail lines. And the rail line thing uh, or any, or um, wind farms, electrical lines, transmission lines, that's important because you need to make sure that you actually have a contiguous right. So if I'm going across with a rail line across, you know, 100 uh, miles of or kilometers of track, I need to know that actually I own one contiguous long piece of yeah, land. Yeah, you can't have one spot where a guy goes, yeah, yeah, no, you don't own that. Now yeah. all of a sudden the, the <laughs> right. line's dead, right. right? Yeah. Or for some reason, someone has screwed up and the descriptions are off and the train sort of goes off onto someone else's land as opposed to being on the land it's supposed to be. And it happens, right? I've seen buildings built completely on the wrong land. Oh, I thought my lot was over here, but I built it over here. But yeah, it's very broad. It's, it's basically any interest that's a registered interest. So we do mining properties. We do indigenous lands. Other weird and wacky things. I mean, it's, it's really, like I say, it's any... Uh, any registration on title. Any registration. Basically. Yeah, and, and it's of various different titles. Like I say, indigenous lands are registered with the federal government. So it's not a provincial registration system. And same thing with mining. Like there's, it's a completely different system of registration uh, for that. So, so and, you know, another question I would have for you is, you know, you've got three different title insurance companies in, in Canada. How do you differentiate yourself? I mean, I, I guess, like, what is the distinction? How does Chicago Title go about saying, no, no, use us in opposed to somebody else? Like, what's the strategy? Um, Appearing on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's that, sure. Yeah, it is about being out and sponsoring uh, the conference. Uh, like, we, we are uh, a sponsor of the, uh, the Young Leaders program at the forum because, I mean, if anyone could see me on here, they'd see that I'm tr- evidence of this. But the industry, I think, is getting a little older, if you will. Yeah. And so we need another uh, new generation coming in to uh, keep the industry Maybe, uh, maybe talk alive. more about that. What is this Young Leaders? How did you partner with Informa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So our form of sponsorship on most of the um, city forums across the country is to have people nominate who they think are the future leaders in the industry. Folks are already doing really well, but are going to ultimately be the leaders. And we sort of have a, a, a panel that looks at them and narrows it down to eight people. They get a free attendance at the forum as a result. And then their names go in a draw for the, the big 
Kahuna Prize to be uh, named as the at the Toronto Real Estate Forum. And they go up the on few, they go up on stage and they talk about yeah. what they're doing. Me, yeah, yeah. So it'll be uh, this is the first year that it's been this forum, and I think it's going to be uh, really uh, really fun. And what's the age cutoff for that? You're too um, old, Adam. You know, I don't even know. I, I should uh, no, but I think it's probably under thirty. I just can't recall. Way the way past that. <laughs> <laughs> Only a decade off. <laughs> I know that um, you know title insurance obviously pops up in every single deal that I close, and one of the big ones is the uh, the lack of a survey. If people are either not willing or don't need it or just can't get it done in time, I know that title insurance will cover off part of that. So can we talk about putting uh, surveyors out of work? No, not at all. In fact, we often say there are many instances in which you're going to want a survey to make sure you know what you're doing. If you're buying a property where you're going to redevelop the building that's on the land and you have a plan for that, you're going to want to make sure that you have the and you're going to want to take a survey of the land and check the zoning and the setbacks and everything to make sure that you've got enough land to do what you want to do on that. But there are many, many transactions, especially if you're refinancing, where you don't want to go and get a, a whole new survey. And you know, down in the U.S., they originally were asking for full surveys. And eventually, lenders said, you know, every single time I do a loan, you make me get a, a, a brand new survey. And then it doesn't matter what's on it. What the problem is, you say, lender, full coverage. So why are you making us do that? Yeah. And so down in the U.S., they finally said, you're right. Why are we making you do that? So they, that's where it sort of started, and it's gotten progressively yeah. better. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of instances where, you know, especially on multi-site deals, you know, title insurance is becoming pretty close to the norm across the country now. But you know, for multi-site properties, it's probably the highest and best use because you, everything is becoming more and more time-sensitive. And um, you got a, a deal with 35, 40 properties across the country. There's no way you can do all the due diligence and prepare surveys and blah, blah, blah. and oh by the way I want it closed by next Friday. It's just not yeah, happening. Expediency right? is probably one of the biggest things that you provide totally. to the business. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's how we really have changed the way that real estate is done in Canada because of that streamlining of the of the whole process and and the not needing a survey on every deal is one of the key ways. But not doing all those off title searches and waiting for the municipality to respond back is another. Even, you know, doing more streamlined searches, you know, in some provinces you're having to search back for a long period of time. Well, why? If you have just done, you know, purchased the property a year ago and now you want to finance, we know up to the date you purchased, everything was fine. So why are we starting from scratch all over again and going all the way back and then researching and all the way back and researching? Let's start from that date and look forward and make sure. Mm -hmm. So we've really tried to look at the transaction in all the different areas and say, why are we requiring this? Why are we asking the lawyers to do it? And so we've made, I think, the legal profession more profitable. We've helped expedite the deals and help you folks get the deals through yeah, the it door. Certainly, it certainly allows us to fund in a week or two when those, yeah. those situations demand it. With less risk. Without, with less risk, yeah. Um, than the traditional. And um, yeah, so I think it really has helped the whole industry uh, work more effectively. I got to think that virtually every single listener would respond well to the concept of we're going to close deals faster because uh, commercial <laughs> real estate can, can drag on sometimes. I'm sure everybody's been frustrated at the deal yeah. that went uh, way longer than it should have. Yeah. Well, that's where I would say, uh, you know, sometimes we get calls from folks saying, oh, you know, geez, we've been trying to figure out this problem on title, you know, for the last two weeks. And we'll say, God, I wish you had called us two weeks ago because we can cover over that issue. You just build a special endorsement in and, yeah. and away you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it can very often, no offense to lenders, but it can often be an issue where the owner's like, I don't really care about this, but the lender is concerned. Yeah. And, uh, and I get why you want to be our concern as well, because you don't know, are, are we going to hold this loan on our books forever? Or are we going to syndicate to securitize? What are we going to do with these deals? And I don't want to be the one 
because you've got the owner paying for the title insurance when the deal closes. But if you go to syndicate that mortgage or securitize and a party there says, where's the title insurance? Then it's your ticket. You're going to be paying it then, right? Yep. So, or uh, just naturally <laughs> risk averse as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, no, we're no fun of parties. No, we're no fun. <laughs> well, so are lawyers, right? That's why you need a title insurer in the deal because if you're all sitting around saying, oh my God, this is so risky, it's a wonder deals got done <laughs> before we came to the country. <laughs> Maybe I'm making us a little uh, yeah, yeah, too no, important now, but <laughs> they, they never say no. They'll insure yeah. anything. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, no, we're not really. insane, but yeah. uh, we've probably done a few insane things over the years. Well, and that's maybe a good segue into pricing and just kind of how yeah. these things get priced. If there are special endorsements <clears throat> and how you kind of make those decisions on what it costs and maybe just kind of talk through that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we can look at any issue and create a specific endorsement. I mean, that's one of the strengths. I mean, I think most of the title companies going to do it, but we really try and go the extra mile in creating those one-off problems to try and figure out a way to give some coverage to get the deal closed. For lenders in particular, we've pretty much got a standard set of endorsements now that we uh, we provide. In fact, a, a year or so ago, we just decided all lenders get all the best coverage all the time because we don't want a situation where one lender's coming and saying, well, you would have covered this bank for that, but you're not covering me. And we say, oh, well, but you didn't ask for that endorsement. No one wants to be in that position, right? We are the clients <laughs> in, in a certain circumstance anyway, right? So you of course you are. Treat, you're your the client, treat, treat your clients properly, yeah. 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 I and mean, that's why it's a bit of an odd uh, industry because we often call the law firms and notary firms our clients, which they are, but they're not our insureds. You're the ultimate insureds who it's your interest that needs to be... Uh, Protected. Oh, and I wanted to mention earlier about just the fraud and forgery. We now have a post-policy fraud coverage. So even after the mortgage goes on title for lenders, up to $5 million of coverage if someone commits a fraud and you lose money. So they discharge your mortgage and uh, put on a new mortgage or you are the new mortgage that goes on and it's a fraudulent mortgage. For a commercial, um, anything post-policy will cover up to $5 million bucks. That's interesting. And so how do you price that? Like what's the... What's yeah, so the pricing is, is very basic. It's a price per thousand. It's by and large, depending on how massive the deal gets, but roughly 50, 60 cents per thousand. So, you know, on a million dollar deal, you're talking 5,000. On a $50 million deal, you're talking 25,000. Those are just completely rough numbers, but yeah, because uh, and again, because of the one-time premium, if you compare twenty-five thousand to how much you're paying on a fifty million dollar property in PNC insurance every year, it's a pretty uh, pretty, pretty amazing deal. deal. Yeah, and then as I say, it's the the first, the larger policy is that twenty-five yeah, grand, yeah. and then the second policy for the lender would be ten thousand Disc- discounted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's really one risk, but on two properties, right? Right. You're adding a party, so you you want to charge something for that, and you got to produce the policy, et cetera. But it's not a duplicate of effort. Yeah, if there's a problem, we're not paying the owner and then paying the lender. If we fix the problem for the owner, it's not a problem for the lender anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you very much. What an interesting topic. I mean, I think it's something that is part of the real estate world and becoming more prevalent. Yeah. And I think it's something that people don't necessarily have a good understanding of what it is. So I think this has been a great sort of education for a lot of our listeners. Yeah, thank you for um, the opportunity. It's been great. Yeah, so thank our sponsor, First National. Thanks, Informa, for partnering with us. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, let us know if you have any comments. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.